0: NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now.
1: Hello, thanks for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, and I'm the Communications Manager at the National Cannabis Industry Association. Today, I have a returning guest, Andy Petisha of Cannabis Facility Construction Andy is a principal at the company, which is a national full-service cannabis facility design-build industry leader. Since 2015, the company has renovated more than 30 cultivation facilities, processing centers, and dispensary projects in nine states across the country. Welcome back to the show, Andy.
2: Thank you, Bethany. I appreciate uh, you having me back on.
1: Absolutely. So, you have been on the show once before. It was about a year ago. So, we've heard a bit about you and your background already and how you got into the cannabis industry. If anyone's curious about that, just head back to our archives of nearly 200 episodes of NCIA's podcast, if you can believe it. Um, So, let's focus on what's been happening in the last year since you were on the podcast. We're a little over halfway into the year 2020. What a year. Already, the landscape of cannabis has shifted in quite a lot of ways, actually, the most important of which to me is that cannabis was deemed an essential business during even the most severe coronavirus shutdowns across the country, everywhere except Massachusetts, apparently. (laughs) Um, So every month is a new adventure this year, Andy. Uh, Let's go down the list of what's been going on the last year for you.
2: God, I can't believe it's been a year already since I've been on, and I can't believe that we're already into August. It's really frightening. Yep. Um, we, uh, um, When uh, the virus first uh, first um, became apparent that it was uh, traveling rampantly across the United States, and uh, there was some doubt whether not only would cannabis facilities be considered an essential business, but construction would also be a uh, a potential, uh, essential business. We went ahead and we took some very proactive steps, Um, always wanting to be best in class. The first thing that we did was we went ahead and contacted all of our existing clients and our existing trades to make sure that if we were allowed to continue, would they allow us to do it? And so to, to literally nearly every trade, with the exception of one that, ironically, wasn't even involved in one of our cannabis projects. They were involved in a completely different commercial project that we were handling at the time. All said they were willing to uh, go forward, and all of our clients, uh, certainly on the cannabis side specifically, were very interested in having us go forward because, as you know, uh, first-to-market expansion of of uh, grow rooms in order to be able to garner more harvest, these things are essential no pun intended, uh, for the uh, expansion and growth of their business. So um, we, we were able to really go down that road. Once we determined everybody was interested, uh, then we started looking at what best practices would be. And given the fact that, that information was so disjointed and so um, uh, every every day there was a new piece of information out there about what good looked like, we as leadership in our business decided that we were going to make certain that everybody that was working on a site was going to be in the safest position they possibly could uh, could be in. And so, what that we were going to look at the most non partisan group out there that was giving guidelines, which was the Center for Disease Control, and um, we uh, uh, started implementing uh, what is now termed, you know, PPE, having people wear masks, having people wear gloves at the time. Uh, We created a safety bucket for every job that we were working on that had clear instructions, including uh, posters that we were putting up about social distancing and what that meant. Uh, We went so far as one of our cultivations that was ongoing was um, in an an existing operating facility that had to have security uh, to allow trades and suppliers into the building. And so we equipped a third party security guard with not only their own PPE but with a head thermometer which at the time again was you know what was expected to be the method of of being able to determine if you were sick or not and ask and ask questions so they uh, had the mandate that if anybody came in with any symptoms or anybody came in wearing a, uh, with a fever that uh, they would be dismissed from the site so uh, that we that literally happened in a in a two week time frame so it was you know, talking about some design build guys trying to figure out what best practices are from a in a pandemic needless to say uh that challenge as as most of our challenges are uh you know we try to turn that into an opportunity to to be best in class
1: wow talk about being nimble right like having to be ready (laughs) to turn on a dime
2: so you know the the beauty about what it is that that design builders do, specifically uh, renovators and remodelers do, that is much different than even new construction, is you have to be flexible. You have to be able to be on a job site and see something that comes up that is either a discovered hidden condition or some other opportunity and be able to react to it and combine it with what it is that the the outcome, the desired outcome is of the project, whether it's economics, whether it's speed, whether it's design. And so uh, we have spent 30 years uh, practicing that and uh, we've been lucky we've as a result of of our flexibility we've uh, uh, it's part of the reason why we're in this space
1: absolutely totally get that I mean c- cannabis in and of itself requires you to be aware that something new could be happening every single day and and this year is absolutely no exception <laughs> for sure so what else is uh, happening this last year in addition to you know the obvious, the COVID-19 that's impacting everybody?
2: Sure. So, um, you know, businesses moving forward, we had one of our major clients uh, merged with another larger company out there, and um, we uh, have been working really hard to continue the relationship with the new company uh, we had expected by now. Uh, in Illinois, that uh, the 75 social equity dispensary licenses and the 40 craft grow and 40 infuser licenses would be announced at this point. Uh, Given the challenges of COVID and given the challenges of the state, uh, it appears now they're going to a third party uh, accounting firm, consulting firm to assist with the scoring and hoping that come the Third uh, fourth quarter of this year, when we were expecting this to be the second quarter, um, that these licenses will be announced and uh, we'll we'll be prepared for the next wave of uh, of new licensees uh, ready to to go to work.
1: Yeah, do you think the delay is a direct result of things just moving a little bit slower uh, over these last few months because of shutdown, social distancing, you know, remote working? Policies, you know, the government's probably moving a little bit slower. Is is that probably why this is so slow?
2: You know, that would be my guess. You know, not being a political political analyst, I
1: can only give you what my
2: novice opinion is. I would say that the government uh, in the state of Illinois had issues long before COVID, and I think this just sort of exacerbated some of the challenges that they have. Um, you know, don't forget if you really look back at the history. Not too long ago, this was just a program, and uh, then it became recreational. With uh, not long after the installation of our of our governor, and then to start a program out with the um, the very appropriate idea of giving people who have uh, not had the fortune of being able to be on the right side of. Of good and the law and, and um, the ability to be able to have enough funds to be able to take advantage of getting licenses mm-hmm. to be able to do the right thing and give them that opportunity, I think might have even been a bigger lift than they were anticipating with the amount of applications they got. You know, so you take all this together and then you throw COVID in, I think you've got a perfect storm.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. Well, speaking of the social equity dispensary licenses in Illinois, I... I would be remiss if I didn't mention NCIA's new Equity Scholarship Program. Um, Any licensees, even if your application hasn't been approved yet, you are eligible to apply for NCIA's Equity Scholarship Program, which means if you're one of these social equity licensees or applicants, you get a a, a year, a complimentary NCIA membership for a year, Uh, With all the benefits and I know we don't have in-person events this year Which was one of the great benefits, but the benefits include the webinars the members only webinars um, Working with me on educational blog posts to send out to our membership as well as this podcast Uh, So if you are a social equity applicant or licensee in Illinois or any state in the u.s reach out to NCIA if you're not yet a member and take advantage of that equity scholarship program. Our membership manager, Tahir Johnson, he's based in the DC office. Uh, He is overseeing that and is also involved in our diversity equity and inclusion committee, which is primarily member driven, but he's our NCIA staff person who is involved in that. So please reach out to us If you're a social equity licensee or applicant, get involved in NCIA. We have this equity scholarship program just for you. Uh, And this is a perfect time to take our first commercial break, and then we'll be right back to continue chatting with Andy from Cannabis Facility Construction. Stay tuned.
0: NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors Order your Shuggies now at shoogies.com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take anywhere treat. Plant, plant Profits.
2: I'm Vern Davis, and I'd like to introduce you to some of the most forward-thinking executives and companies in the cannabis industry. We call them the Plant Profits. Each week on Plant Profits, we talk to the people at the forefront of the industry, creating real companies and career opportunities. We'll learn from the people leading the charge into the promised land of profit. Plant Profits is powered by Protis Global, people solutions firm that has been building companies, changing lives since 1995. P-R-O-T-I-S global.com, Protis Global. Find Plant Profits now at CannabisRadio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. (laughs) They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out.
0: Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com.
1: All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, and we're chatting with Andy Petitia from Cannabis Facility Construction. He's been a guest on the show before about a year ago, but... We're having him back today to talk a lot about what's been going on the last year, particularly how his business has been dealing with expanding facilities during COVID, which has plenty of challenges. And the world has just changed in so many ways we couldn't have imagined since you were on the show. Uh, So how cannabis companies can continue to expand their facilities during COVID is probably something we're trying to figure out. So what people can expect from the contractors as it relates to compliance with social distancing rules, but also keeping on track for those deadlines. That is, that's what us project managers live for, meeting that deadline with resources and cost all under what they need to be, right? And
2: yeah,
1: even with COVID, the show must go on. So let's continue to talk about what's happening in your world and how it's happening.
2: Hi. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, as we talked about earlier, flexibility and being able to adapt the measure of success of, of everybody in business and, and to know, with no exception in the construction industry, um, you know, the challenges of COVID run down the supply chain, the beginning of the supply chain, all the way down to the people that are executing the work. You've got factories that are not working at full capacity because of their challenges with social distancing and people being sick uh, and, uh, and trying to replace a, a workforce. Um, you've got people who have been furloughed because orders are down uh, which has also presented its own challenges you've got some of the other government challenges of uh, what was prior to uh, this past week of what people were uh, being supplemented when they weren't working and in some cases that was more than they were making when they were actually at their plants uh, creating some of the parts and pieces that we actually need so lots of lots of delay that is so completely out of our control and then you 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 bring that down the line you've got the delivery of goods and then you've got the offloading of goods and then you've got the installation of those goods. And how do you actually uh, work through that when in many cases you are working hand in hand with the person, uh, you know, you know, with a, with a, with a partner, a person that is right next to you when you're installing a big piece of equipment or a piece of structure. Um, it certainly makes for a challenge. So from what what we have really looked at, uh, again, from the beginning is, um, we are, we are of the firm belief that if you fail to plan, plan to fail. And that means in our world that you've got a plan A, a plan B, a plan C, and in some cases a plan D. And so when plan A, you, you isn't working, uh, to its optimum level, you have to be astute enough and communicative enough with all the people around you, the people who are getting, are giving you, information and supplying you with materials as well as your client, the end user, as to what the impact is of that. And so monitoring schedules is a much different lift today than it ever was. You know, you can't look at a schedule that's six months out and just see where you are week by week. You've got to break that down into into smaller increments, whether it's a monthly schedule or a three week look ahead or whatever it may be. And and then you can look and see as much as possible where you might find the landmines and the roadblocks so that uh, when you have uh, an opportunity that, you know, a, uh, you know, we had a situation actually where uh, one of our flooring contractors that provides epoxy flooring for us, his entire crew came down with COVID. And so, no. th- oh yeah. Yeah. Oh and no. That's oh yeah. so
1: scary. Yeah.
2: yeah. Well, it's scary on a number of fronts because we were lucky that, they hadn't been on our job for exactly 14 days oh, when dear. they found out it had been 14 days prior that they were on one of our jobs. So we were in the clear, but a challenge for us as well as for our client is to be able to have on a moment's notice to that the schedule can be met. And in rare cases when you don't have another resource, the, the real secret sauce is how do you switch things around so that you can still maintain some level of efficiency, but yet still move a project forward. I mean, obviously, you can't put the roof on before you have a foundation in the ground. But, you know, you certainly can work around where the flooring would be one of the last things to be done. You know, there's other things that we have to flip into place to, uh, to move things around in order to be able to stay on, on task, on schedule.
1: Absolutely. That's that's prime project management, you know, flow charts right there. There's your Gantt chart. <laughs> exactly. Super nerdy. Uh, it's really interesting to think that a lot of these workforces basically have to have like understudies as if you're in a play or or like schools are going to be dealing with. It sounds like there's going to be a lot of substitute teachers. You know, if, if one guy gets sick and it's a three-man job, you literally have to have a guy ready to go that can step in in order to stay on task. That's a really interesting way. You know, some people may be just waiting to work because they're the understudy or, you know, the, the backup plan. Uh, Wow.
2: Well, the show must go on. You know, they have it in, you use the term uh, very, very uh, correctly when you're talking about theater, when you're talking about professional sports teams Um, You know, it's it's once in a while happens when, well, once in a while it happens when you you both your quarterbacks get hurt and now you've got your running back that played quarterback in college has to step in. But at least they've got skills because you can't forfeit the game, and that's really the bottom line. You can't forfeit the game. Just like a just like a um, a fan would be expecting it to be finished, you've got real money at stake. You've got. Mm-hmm. Uh, money at stake for uh, you know television programming for advertisers. You got the same situation when you're doing when you're doing a project in the commercial end that is revenue generating for the client. So yeah. you, you know they they don't want to they they there's only so much um, empathy that they're going to have oh, yeah. uh, when when a situation like this comes up. I think the the uh, where the cream rises to the top is is again ability to be flexible and. And uh, limber, and um, and thoughtful, and taking. I, I think the key really is, and it took me a long time to really come to this, um, uh, to to be able to believe this narrative, and that is that, you know, every, we're in every challenge. There's an opportunity, and you just have to look at it from the positive perspective as opposed to the
1: challenge perspective. Sure, sure. It's important to stay optimistic. I, I agree. Were Were there any other challenges you came across that you didn't see coming related to doing business and working around COVID?
2: So that's a really interesting question. You know, we've spent so much time with regards to people's safety and with, with timing. Um, you know, for the most part, uh, pricing had stayed the same, um, and our clients really had... Uh, uh, had been uh, as uh, as understanding as possible. I think it we you know it was re- really sort of uh, being our own our own um, our own enemies uh, uh, from the standpoint of um, you don't really know until you're in the soup mm. how understanding everybody's going to be, and so we just became hypersensitive and hyper concerned that you know we know what good is on a normal basis, but how do we deliver good in this kind of challenge? So. I think that uh, we probably spent a whole lot of time angsting over things that uh, didn't need to be uh, as much of a priority for us. But, you know, I'd like to think that uh, it helped us do a good job and our clients certainly have been appreciative of it.
1: Yeah. Better be safe than sorry, kind of thinking around that for sure. And I think there is a lot of empathy and understanding going on as, as we're all forced into changing the way we're doing things. So, uh, I mean, it's, it's very frustrating. I think we're all emotionally and psychologically pushed to the edge just to be real. But again, the show must go on. But we're, we're doing it with some understanding and kindness and uh, a little bit of Empathy goes a long way, and uh, I think our industry can handle that. Uh, We're typically very nice people, and if we're getting a little stressed out, well, I think we know what to do to to (laughs) to calm down and get back to work.
2: Yeah, I said I said to somebody earlier, you know, you don't you don't really have many people that uh, partake in the product uh, do violent things as a result of them being on the pro- taking the product either medicinally or recreationally. So I think everybody's been uh, well-behaved and understanding.
1: Pretty chill. Keep it chill out there, everyone. We'll get through this together. And let's take our last commercial break and then come back and chat more with Andy. Stay tuned.
0: NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors.
2: The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh,
1: yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc.
2: Hempire, a show dedicated to exploring the many potential therapeutic uses of the cannabis plant. Once a cornerstone of healing and now making a heroic comeback, Cannabis has the potential to promote health and well-being, bring the body back to homostasis, and foster recovery for a healthier way of living. Hempire focuses on a diverse range of serious health issues, presenting views ranging from those of patients and their loved ones through those of researchers and medical professionals. Welcome to Hempire. It's time to Hem Present, only on Cannabis Radio.
0: Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's cannabis industry voice, only on CannabisRadio.com.
1: All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, with the National Cannabis Industry Association. We're chatting with Andy from Cannabis Facility Construction about all the ways they've been handling, pivoting, adjusting to COVID and continuing to serve their customers, keep the industry going, and as we've been saying, keeping the show going uh, despite all the challenges. and. You know, COVID unfortunately will most likely be impacting our lives for the next year and how we do business. And we're all waiting for safe vaccines and more information. But in the meantime, this is kind of the new normal, or we're maybe still figuring out what the new normal is as we're looking into the future. But what thoughts do you have around how we do business generally and in the cannabis industry that will likely stay this way for a while or or maybe even further changes coming down the line? Do you see anything like that?
2: That's a really interesting question, you know, and I'm not really sure how to answer that. I think that um, when you look at, at, and again, I'm, I'm certainly not in the uh, medical field nor am I a historian, but I do know enough to know that there have been other viruses that, uh, and other flus that have been out uh, that have caused issues in the past. There was H1N1. There was, another, there was a COVID before this. There will be a COVID after this. I think, I, I think and I'm really hoping that what comes out of this is that people are going to be much more conscious about good, uh, good um, sanitary habits um, mm-hmm. they're going to be much more conscious about if they don't feel well, even if it's a cold, that they don't, um, they don't show up at the office. They don't show up on the job site um, that uh, if they know they have a cough or a, uh, uh, you know, or a runny nose or whatever it may be, that they're wearing a mask when they are or have to be on a, on a project or, or working in a store uh, if they do realize that they have been coughing or sneezing into their hands, they won't extend their hands out to shake somebody's hand when that does come back to normal. Because my gut feeling is that once we have a um, therapeutic uh, or a and or a vaccine to prevent this, that the world is going as as we do. Uh, you know, we we like normal, and we're we're very physical beings, so yeah. it's going to go back to normal pretty quickly. My guess is right after that, and and yet I hope that all of the good about being uh, conscious and uh, being considerate to everybody else around us is what holds true beyond this, this particular event.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I am encouraged to see more sanitation, increased emphasis on hygiene. I've always kind of not liked shaking people's hands all day long at conferences. It just feels kind of gross uh, at the end of the day. So maybe that's something that will, change. We'll start bowing to each other or doing elbow bumps (laughs) or something. I don't know. Um, And it was, you know, like thinking about the New York subway system or something that hadn't been cleaned in decades was finally shut down for a few hours overnight, a few times to be cleaned. Wow. Like, let's keep doing that kind of stuff, right?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Like, I hope that's sustainable. I mean, I, I took a flight for the first time uh, a week ago, Monday, and I, I was on a, two two different planes. And outside of the fact that I mean, going and coming, uh, and outside of the fact that uh, the planes were new uh, and and they were relatively empty, uh, I, I mean, I've never seen the airport nor have I seen any airplane be as clean as as uh, as it is. So, if there's one good thing that has come out of this, again, is our eye on. Uh, being having better hygiene and being more conscious and conscientious. I, again, I just I hope that's sustainable. I hope it doesn't take. I mean, clearly, it took this for us to get to the point of being of thinking about it, and I hope it doesn't take something else like this to make it a sustainable effort.
1: Yep, totally agree. Uh, well, in the last couple minutes here, um, I wonder if if this is a good time to try to look even further into the future in the year twenty thirty. Uh, and see if you have any general predictions for the cannabis industry. I think a lot of us think, hey, 10 years from now, federal legalization is probably on, on our plate. Are you seeing anything else as far as where the cannabis industry will be or how it will look 10 years into the future?
2: Yeah, well, I agree with you. I think that federal, federal legality is going gonna, is gonna to come into play, and I think it may happen uh, even before 10 years out. I think that... Uh, Given if you look at the economics, it, uh, it doesn't take a, uh, an economics major or a mathematician to figure out that with all of the debt that we're accumulating as a result of all of the, um, the dollars that is being pumped into the system by the federal government, boy, wouldn't it be nice to be able to uh, uh, avoid a superinflation situation? where we could take advantage of taxes on $150 billion a year illegal business at this point. Mm. Uh, I, th- I think that's I think that's one thing that I think people are going to wake up to because in the end, money talks. And, and uh, I think it's going to be, a, uh, I think certainly it's something that can immediately point us in the right direction uh, uh, as opposed to just, you know, raising taxes just on the general public. I think the other thing that is going to be really key is that, and I think we've seen uh, the the um, fire being lit as the impetus when we talk about social equity, I think you're going to start seeing that on a national scale. I, I know that there are people in Illinois and there are people out east that I know that have been talking about doing a much larger consortium of social equity um, type of franchises and other opportunities out there, and nice. and I and I and I applaud that. I think yeah. that uh, you know why not? It's it's certainly overdue, given the fact that um, people of color have been uh, you know in the very bad position of being uh, um, punished for this as it's been illegal and not being afforded the other opportunities that other people have had. Why not give them the opportunity that uh, that they so well deserve?
1: Hundred percent agree. Great option opportunity to mention again NCIA's equity scholarship program Uh, as these social equity license and operator opportunities expand across the country. Also get involved with the National Cannabis Industry Association through our equity scholarship program that we're now offering. Make sure you head to www.thecannabisindustry.org. For more information and reach out to us. Andy, thanks again for the great conversation and uh, good luck as we all together as an industry move forward and navigate all these challenges. Uh, where can people find out more about you and your company?
2: Uh, they can find out more information from us on our website, uh, which is cannabisfacility.net. I'm happy to. Uh, have a conversation with anybody that uh, is from just starting out in the industry and all the way to MSOs, multi-state operators.
1: Perfect. Great. Well, thanks again for being on the show and thanks everyone for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Until next time.